scary, so beyond your ability, your wisdom, the resources, your energy, that all you can think about is how, how am I ever going to get through this? How am I ever going to face this? How am I ever going to figure out what I need to do in this situation so that it works out well for me at the end? I've experienced that. I'm sure you have too. And a time when the people of NASA experienced that was in 1962 when President John F. Kennedy laid in front of them a directive. His directive is, we're going to the moon, we're coming back, and we're doing it within a decade. Take a look. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we intend to win, and the others too. We shall send to the moon 240,000 miles away from the control station in Houston a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall, the length of this football field, made of new metal alloys, some of which have not yet been invented, capable of standing heat and stresses several times more than have ever been experienced fitted together with a precision better than the finest watch, carrying all the equipment needed for propulsion, guidance, control, communications, food, and survival on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body, and then return it safely to Earth, re-entering the atmosphere at speeds of over 25,000 miles per hour, causing heat about half that on the temperature of the sun, almost as hot as it is here today, and do all this, and do all this, and do it right, and do it first, before this dictate is out, then we must be bold. That all sounds great, but how exactly are we going to do that? We don't have the metal, we don't have the material, we don't have the men, we don't have the money. It's a half a million mile round trip. And we don't have a lot of success in the space race in the past. So how exactly are we going to do that? How are we going to put a person on the moon? I got to think that this is what the people of NASA were asking themselves when they heard their commander in chief give them this direction. And oftentimes it feels like in our lives we're facing things that's like a mission to the moon. It feels like what we have to do is so big, it's so hard, it's so risky, it's so scary, it's so complicated that there's just, there's, there's no way to do it. I mean, it's clear what we need to do, as clear as the moon in the sky, but getting there, that's a whole nother question. And I know in my life, I've been hit by but how questions at just these critical moments where I need to take a step of action, or I need to do something to kind of engage the situation. And when this but how blizzard hits me, it freezes my faith, it causes me to panic and sink. And if I'm not careful, I can miss out on what I need to do next. And the very thing that I'm afraid of, that's what I end up getting. 
Uh, you've probably experienced this yourself. A time in my life where I've really been hit by a lot of butt hows was with PrayBuzz. PrayBuzz is a prayer app that my, myself and uh, my co-founder Jeremy Whaley made back in 2011. And PrayBuzz helps you pray together with your friends, family, congregation from anywhere, anytime. Uh, you can get notified if somebody's praying for you. You get updated when God answers. It's, it's a great tool, and uh, it's helped a lot of people. But when I got started in 2011, I was just a teacher. I've never made anything. I've never started a business. And so all these but-how questions were just flooding my mind. Like, well, how do you start a company legally? Like, do you call a lawyer? How do you do that? You know, do, how much does it cost? Another question is, how am I going to pay for it? Like, where am I going to get the money to do this? I don't have the money to, to build this thing. And even if I did have the money, how do I find programmers and developers? I'm not a programmer. I can barely program my coffee maker. I can tell you all the times that I've set it for 6 a.m. and it's actually 6 p.m. when I get up in the morning. It's very frustrating. And I'm looking at all these big, you know, challenges in front of me and all I'm getting hit with is these but how questions. But, but how am I going to market it? How am I going to get the word out to, to the people that would want to use this thing? I don't know how to market an app. And so as I looked at all of these, these things I was going to have to do to pull this thing off, it was just overwhelming. And it was very tempting to just get frozen in this butthow blizzard and to focus on my fear and my weakness instead of the next step that I could take. And I'm sure in your own life you've experienced the same thing. All of us face challenges, difficult situations, questions that are not answered. All of us have things in our life that we need resources. We need direction and we don't know what to do. So I want to ask you, what is the butthow blizzard that you're facing right now? Like where in your life are you feeling like you are facing something that's just beyond your ability and you don't want, you don't know what to do. It may be with your finances. Maybe, you know, you, you, you need a job or you need more money to pay your bills. Or maybe God has been telling you that he wants to reprioritize the way you spend money so that you can really honor him first. And all you can think of is how am I going to take care of myself financially if I do that with my money? Or maybe it's a relationship in your life. There's conflict. Maybe someone in your past, a family member, husband, wife, kids, where there's, there's conflicts. Relationships get messy. And you're looking at the situation. You're reading the Bible. And God wants you to love people. He wants you to move into that situation with compassion and forgiveness. But you just can't see how it's going to work out, how you're going to be able to clean up this mess, how you're going to be able to reconcile, how it will ever be like it once was. All of us have in our lives goals, things that we're, we're trying to accomplish, uh, objectives and goals in our lives. And uh, sometimes it just feels like what it takes to handle my responsibilities at work or handle my responsibilities at home or to accomplish this particular stewardship that I've been given. It just, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the resources. I don't have the connections. I'm not adequate for the task. And in any of these but hows that you may be facing, they're going to blow against you and get you to focus on the wrong thing so that you'll freeze, so that you'll sink, and so that you'll miss the protection, provision, and good plan of God who wants to help you and take care of you. But if your focus is in the wrong place, it will freeze you, and it will be far worse than if you focus on the right place. And so I'd like to look at the right and wrong focus today. Um, I was thinking about it as I was thinking about my story, the Prabos story, and I was thinking about when I was facing all these but hows that were questions that were hitting me, I, I, I actually went to the Bible and I spent some time trying to get some encouragement from God's word. And what I found is the Bible is full of people, lots of people who God calls to do huge things that are so far beyond what they can do. And they always ask the same question, how, but how Lord, how's it going to work? And God's answer for all of these people 
is always the same. He says, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm the God who made you. I have all the power, all the wisdom. I have all the resources and I love you. And I will be with you. I'm not going to give you this stack of cash. I'm not going to lay out this blueprint for you. I want you to come to me. I'm going to walk with you step by step. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to provide the how. And when I heard that again and again, it was very difficult for me to hold on to that, to hold on to those words. I, I, I just kept focusing on my fear and my weakness, on the things that I didn't have, that I didn't know, that I couldn't do. And if you focus on your fear and your weakness, then it will cause you to turn around and refuse the Lord's call to not do what he's asking you to do and miss out on the good he has for you. Or it'll cause you to sink. You'll get stuck. It'll be harder and harder to take the next step. Or the very thing that you're trying to avoid, the very thing that you fear most, that's the thing that comes into the life that you live. If you don't trust God and obey his commands and turn to him, in the middle of the butthole blizzard. So I want to look at just a couple people in the scriptures who focused on their fear and their weakness and see how, how it works and, and, and hopefully learn from it and be encouraged by it so we make the right choice. The first person is Gideon. Gideon was a guy who thought very low of himself. He, he didn't think it was very important. And his country, Israel, was being oppressed by the Midianites. They're this big army. They're making them slaves. It's a horrible situation. And God goes to Gideon and says, Gideon, you're the guy that I'm going to use to save your whole country. Isn't that great? Gideon was not excited. Gideon said, pardon me, Lord. But how? But how? How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest. And I'm the least in my family. Talk to my brother. He's got military training. You know, talk to my uncle. He, he's, you know, he's run a business. He's a far more capable leader. You know, find a Moses. I'm, I'm the wrong guy. And what was the Lord's answer to him with the but how question? When he was focusing on his weakness, the Lord said, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will make you capable. He doesn't explain step by step all the crazy things that Gideon was going to do. And if you read the story, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Some of the things that God led Gideon to do to defeat the the Midianites. But God says, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. And so Gideon trusted the Lord. He trusted God. He didn't understand how it was going to work, but he took a step of obedience and then another step and another step. And God used this man to save his country. But if we focus on our fear and our weakness, it can actually cause us to not take that first step of faith in whatever area you're dealing with, wherever the blizzard is hitting you, wherever you have fear, anxiety, need, frustration in your life, whatever you feel uneasy about, there is something that God wants to tell you in that particular area. There's direction that God has for you for that particular thing you're facing. And if you'll seek God's will and what he wants you to do, he will speak to you. And if you do what he tells you to do, he will provide for you like he did with Gideon. A second person who focused on his fear and his weakness was Peter. And Peter was great. At first, he was actually focusing on the Lord and what God was telling him to do. And step by step by step, God was making him do some amazing things. But in the middle of it, he got afraid and he began to sink. He began to focus on the wrong thing. It says that um, Jesus sent his disciples uh, uh, across the Sea of Galilee. It was the middle of the night and it was windy. There was a storm. And in the middle of the night, Jesus walked out to them with no water skis, no life jacket, no boat. 
Now, if you see a guy walking on the water, there are a couple categories that may fit in for you. And for these guys, ghost was what they thought he was. And they freaked out. And they're screaming, there is a ghost. And Jesus said, no, it's not. It's me. It's me. And then Peter has this idea. And I'm so glad he had this idea. I don't know where it came from. But I'm just glad because we get to see what happens. Peter says, Lord, if it really is you, tell me to come out to you on the water. I would have never thought to say that. If it really is you, tell me to walk on water too. And so Jesus says, all right, come on out. So then Peter gets down out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. Now here's God making Peter able to do the impossible. But Peter's focus wasn't on how. Peter's focus was on what? What am am I being told to do by the Lord Jesus? But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid. When his focus shifted to his fear, to the worst case scenario, to all the things that are going wrong, to all the things that are blocking your goal, to how impossible this situation you're facing is to deal with. When your focus goes there, he began to sink and he cried out to the Lord, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out, grabbed his hand and caught a hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What froze your faith? Where was your focus? For some of you, In areas of your life, you have trusted God. You have sought his will. You've taken steps of obedience. You've done what the Lord called you to do. But in the middle of it, the story's not done. And you're still facing hard things. It's not resolved. It's not over. It's not happily ever after yet. And in the middle of whatever you're facing, you can feel, you know, just discouraged. You can feel afraid. You can feel like nothing's working. Maybe something goes wrong. Something blocks you. And at that, at that moment, if you start focusing on those things, you begin to sink. And you may feel like you're sinking in a particular area. Like you can't get any traction. You can't get any, any momentum. And in that case, do what Peter did. Cry out to the Lord. Stop, get on your knees, and ask God to help you. Ask him to come into your situation, to grab a hold of you in a way that only he can, and lift you back up, to give you power. Tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for going my own way in this situation. Please, I'll do whatever you want, however you want, wherever you want. Just help me get back on track here. And God will do that, just like he did for Peter. Another way that we can, we can focus on weakness and um, fear is at the end of our story. So there's a guy in the Bible named King Asa of Judah, and he was um, a young king at the beginning of his story in Second Chronicles. And this massive army of Ethiopians, they came against his country to kill him, a million men. And he freaked out and he ran to the Lord and he prayed and the God said, I will be with you. Now go out there and fight those guys with your incredibly small army. And God did deliver them. But as Asa got older, he began to shift his weight and his faith from the Lord to his money. He began to shift his weight to his wisdom, to his network of connections. And when he was an older king, the, is, the nation of Israel attacked him. The king from Aram attacked him, just like the Ethiopian king had attacked him. But this time, he didn't turn to the Lord or trust in the Lord. In fear of his weakness, he made a poor choice. It says that Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and out of his palace. He took the Lord's money and his money symbol of what he really trusted in. And he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling in Damascus. Let there be a treaty between me and you, just like there was between my father and your father. See, I'm sending you silver and gold. Now break your treaty with Bashah, king of Israel, so he will withdraw from me. See, this guy's got it all figured out. I'll use my wealth that I've amassed 
and I'll, I'll play this strategy that I have and I'll break these two kings up and that's how I'm going to deliver Israel from this difficult situation I'm in. He didn't go to the Lord. He didn't seek the Lord like he had done when he was young because now he's older and he's collected some cash and he's got some wisdom and he's got some connections. And for us who walk with God for a while, maybe God's blessed you. Maybe he's allowed you to amass some resources or maybe you've gained more wisdom in your older age or maybe you have a network of contacts and people that you didn't have when you were younger. And it's very tempting at this part of your life with Christ to begin to shift your weight on your own resources and your own strength instead of always going to the Lord first. Because of fear and weakness, we look immediately to what do I have at my disposal instead of, God, I need your help. Be with me. Help me. Show me what you want me to do. And Asa paid a price. So did his whole kingdom. It says that in Second Chronicles 16.9, God sent a prophet to Asa after he had done what he had done. And the prophet said, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, Asa. From now on, you will be at war. From now on, the very thing you were trying to avoid is the thing that's going to come into your life. Because you didn't commit yourself to me. You didn't trust in me. You allowed fear and and to focus on your weakness to cause you to make the wrong decision. This is the wrong way to go in the middle of this butthow blizzard that we face. This is not the right approach. But the right approach is this. God wants you and me to focus on what and let him focus on how. He wants you to focus on what and let let him focus on how. What is God telling me to do? What is God's direction in this situation? What is God's command for me and how can I do that? If you focus on what, God will take care of the how. And you see this in the lives of your brothers and sisters here at Church in the Valley. You see it in the lives of the people throughout the history of the Christian church. And you see it all throughout the Bible. Situations that were far beyond the ability of the men and women that were in them. And yet they sought God's will. They did what he told them to do. And then he came through in a big way. You can see it in the life of Peter. Before he was Peter, the the water skier without a boat, right? He was Peter, the fisherman. And he was a successful businessman. He had a small business on the Sea of Galilee. He had partners, James and John. Every night he would fish. Uh, He would bring in his fish and then sell them in the market. And it says that one day Jesus walked up to Peter and got in his boat. And here's what Jesus said. He said, Simon, that was Peter's original name until Jesus gave him a new name. Anyway, Simon, put out into deep water and let your net down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We have worked hard all night and caught nothing. Jesus, we're the professionals. I mean, you're great. You're awesome. But this is what I do for a living. I've already tried that. Already went there. Already looked into it. It's not going to work. Fish don't come out in the, in the daytime. They go down deep when it's hot outside. They'll, they'll come out tonight. Come back tonight and we'll go out and put our nets down for a catch. I mean, you can imagine after a whole night of fishing, he's cold. He's tired. The last bit of energy he has, he wants to use to go home, get a shower, and go to bed. And Jesus is telling him to go on empty, back out. Back out in the middle of the sea. He's giving him directions that make no sense. But listen to what Simon says. This is very important. This is what we as Christians must say. Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. Jesus is his master. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. And when they had done what Jesus said, 
when they had obeyed the very specific and very practical command that the Lord gave him in that situation that made absolutely no sense to him, when they had done it, it says they enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to help them come, come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Now, Peter had no idea that that day he was going to have the biggest haul that he'd ever had in his life. And if you would have asked him, Peter, what do you think the best way to fish is? He would have told you all his strategies. The best way to fish is just to obey what the Lord tells you to do. And God sent him out into the middle of the sea, and he pulled in more fish than he probably ever pulled in before. It didn't make any sense. I mean, he could have, he could have guessed all sorts of ways that God might have provided, but he never would have guessed that. But where was Peter's focus? His focus was on what, and he let the Lord Jesus provide the how. A time where I've seen this happen in my life, where God has actually done this in my life, again, is with Prebos. Now, like I told you, when I got started, I had no idea how I was going to market this thing, how I was going to tell people that it even existed in an ocean full of apps on the app stores. How am I going to distinguish myself? And that question was just never answered. As I took step by step by step and invested more and more of myself in this project, I didn't have an answer to that question. But one day, I was at the Block in Orange with Pastor Randy. We were seeing a movie. And the guy who was hosting its name was Hugh Hewitt. And this is a picture of Hugh Hewitt. Uh, moderating the Republican debate. Um, he is a bigwig in politics, and he has a radio show that's nationally syndicated and it's listened to by hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people all over the world. And we were at the movie, and I went down to talk to this guy, Hugh, and I was showing him some things I was doing in my class that uh, I thought he'd get a kick out of, and he found out I was working on this project, PrayBuzz. And so he said, hey, send me what you have. I'm thinking, this guy, he doesn't have time for me. So I sent him my demo video, this video that we had made, kind of giving you a picture of what Prebuzz was going to do. And very quickly after I sent him the email, this is what he wrote back. He said, Matt, great to meet you last night. The video looks great and the concept wonderful. Let me know how I can help. One of the advantages of having a radio show is the ability to pump up the good. Hugh. Now this is This is amazing. I don't have the ability to pump up the app, but this guy does. And I didn't know that God was going to arrange that meeting. I didn't know those things when I got started. I would have never guessed this is how it would work out. But a couple years later, he invited me on his show. And I got to tell all of his listeners about PrayBuzz, me and two other entrepreneurs for his entrepreneur hour. And this was how God helped me market this thing. And it was an amazing thing, but I didn't, I would have never guessed how God knew how before I ever started what he was going to do. I just need to focus on the what. And so do you. And so you may be thinking to yourself, okay, but I don't know what God wants me to do. Like, I don't know what it is. I mean, I'm looking at the situation I'm facing at work or with my family or in my health or with my finances or these responsibilities I have or decisions about what I'm going to do next, like what I'm going to invest myself in this next semester. And I'm not exactly sure what God wants me to do. How do I know? That's a good question. The way you find out what God wants is you begin to daily seek God's will in the Bible. You have to spend time every day getting into the scriptures so that God can speak to you, so that he can give you direction, so that he can give you correction, so that he can rearrange your priorities and put things on your heart and make calls on your life for that day. And if you will focus on what God tells you to do, then God will take care of the how. And I've seen this in my life. And one of the big times this happened was long before PrayBuzz. When I was just getting started as a teacher, I was recently married. My wife and I, um, it was 2005, 
And I was finishing up my student teaching and I had no job. And I was applying here and I was applying there and nobody was interested in hiring me as a teacher for the school year. And I was really discouraged. How is God going to provide for my family? How am I going to get taken care of? And I didn't have an answer. But I spent some time with God reading the Bible in the morning, which was my habit. And in the morning, God was speaking to me through Hebrews 13, 17. And Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not a really smart guy. I'm just asking questions like, God, what does this mean? Like, who are my leaders? And so I thought about my leaders and am I obeying them? Is there anything I need to correct there? How can I make it a joy for them? And one of the leaders that God put on my heart was Josh. He was our small group leader at Church in the Valley. And he and his wife, Erica, had been investing themselves in me and the other people in the group, helping us grow spiritually. And one of the ways that I knew I could make it a joy was if we got them a gift card for P.F. Chang's. They like P.F. Chang's. So we'll get them a gift card, we'll get them a free date, and that will be a way to make it a joy. And so I went to P.F. Chang's that day, and when I was there getting the gift card, I met a guy who had an Upland water polo shirt on. Now, I played water polo in college, we got to talking, and at the end of the conversation, he said, so what do you do for work? And I said, well, I'm trying to be a teacher, but it's not working. I said, what do you do for work? And he says, I'm an administrator in the Claremont School District, and there are four history positions that opened up this year. You should send me your resume, and I'll get you an interview. <laughs> what? Really? Are you real? <laughs> right? I mean, I had done everything I could do. I had done everything I could do to find a job. I had applied here, and I had gone there, and I put my time in. Nothing was working. Nothing. I was at the end of my ability. But God has the ability. And what, what happened was, two weeks later, I had an interview, and two weeks later, I was offered a job. And that has been the primary way that God has provided for my family for the last 13 years. God will take care of the how if you will focus on the what. But you must daily seek the Lord's will. Every day, opening up your life and allowing the Lord to speak to you through the Bible. Why did I get the job? Because I went to the interview. How did I get to the interview? Well, this guy Bill got me the interview. And why did he get me the interview? Because he met me at P.F. Chang's. Why was I there? I was getting a gift card. And why did I get a gift card? To make it a joy. And why was I making it a joy? Because God told me to. And when did God tell you to? That morning when I sought his will in the Bible. I am no different than anyone here. There are stories like this all throughout the body, all throughout the scriptures. And God wants to do that in your life. He wants to direct you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to provide for you. If you'll seek his will daily. But the second step you have to take if you want to if you want to focus on the what, is very difficult. This step is really a challenge. You have to wait on the Lord. You have to wait on the Lord. You have to be willing to be patient. And what's scary about it is, you're walking in obedience step by step, and things are kind of falling apart, and things are not working out. And this clear path that you think could totally make things work out, it starts to close. And things get hard, and you start getting this blowing opposition against you. And it's in the middle of that that God is bringing you to the edge of your ability, and he's going to ask you to take another step when you're running on empty. And what God wants you to do is to wait patiently for him to provide. And if you do wait, God will provide. It may be too late, but it's always right on time. Now, I learned this the hard way. So back to pray buzz. A couple years after I was, I was on that radio show, 
maybe it was a year, maybe not a couple years, maybe a year afterwards I was on the radio show, we were running low on resources. And my partner Jeremy and I, we were looking for some way to either get more programmers and developers to join our team or to get more capital to invest or to find a network of people who could help us expand our user base. And it wasn't working very well. And then there was this opportunity in San Francisco. There was this hackathon. It was called Code for the Kingdom, where Christian programmers and developers from all over the area were going to come to this, this, uh, this building in San Francisco for a three-day conference where they were going to all work together and work on apps that are good for the Christian church. Anyway, it seemed like this was where God was, was leading us to go, where we might be able to find what we needed. So we go. And the first night, I'm supposed to stand in front of the whole room of people like you and pitch this idea cold. So here's PrayBuds. Here's what it does. Here's why it's great. Why don't you come join our team? And everybody did that. And then for the next four hours, I'm just walking around a room talking to people I've never met before, trying to get them to join our team, trying to get them to invest, trying to get them to, to open up our app to their network. And everybody's saying, no, no, thank you. Not interested. So we go back to the hotel room the first night and we're really discouraged. We get up the next morning, we go back to this Code for the Kingdom hackathon, and again, it's like four hours of just rejection. I mean, I'm talking to people for 25 minutes, showing them the app, explaining how it works, and they're like, that's great. You want to join? No, no thanks. And I was just so frustrated and so discouraged and so focusing on the things that weren't going right. I went away to this office room, uh, this, this, um, this office in the building I was at. Um, and I just sat down and I just started pouring it out to God. Like, why isn't this working? Why haven't you provided? I don't understand what's going on. I mean, you, you've been in it in the past. You've helped us in the past. Why aren't you helping us now? We're up here. We're spending our last bit of time and money. I need you to do something. What's going on? And I'm just trying to be honest with how I'm feeling to the Lord. God can handle it. And the Lord brought to my mind 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And as I read it, I was like, Lord, my heart is committed to you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to you. Strengthen me. And it was like the Lord said, Matt, it's a three-day conference, and you're on day two. Wait. So I left the room, and I went to my partner, Jeremy, and I said, I think God wants us to wait. I think he wants us to keep doing what we're doing. So for the next couple hours, we just kept having more meetings and more rejection, then more meetings and more rejection until finally I was just so frustrated. I was like, maybe that wasn't God. Maybe he wasn't really talking to me. And it's such a long drive home. If we get out early, we can beat the traffic. And I just, I left. I left. I didn't want to wait anymore. So a couple days later, I go online to the website and I'm looking at all the results. And I see this picture. Now, these two guys were sitting right next to me and Jeremy the entire time. And they were working on this idea they had for a prayer app called Ceaseless. But they had no code. They had no programmers. They had no money. They had an idea. That was it. And they were hitting the room up like we were, and they were getting shut down like we were. But they stayed to the end. And at the end, so many people left that prize money was given out to whoever whoever stayed. And there was prize money given out to the best prayer app. And it was 2,500 bucks. And I looked at that picture and it was like the Lord said, you didn't wait. They waited. I was going to take care of you. Now, I'm not saying that this is my money. (laughs) But, But I have a conviction that God was telling me, you left too soon. And I was going to provide for you because you don't want to wait. And that will happen to us. And and you can learn from my example. You, you You don't want to bail too soon. You want to keep 
trusting God and asking, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? And let God take care of the how. So why doesn't God tell us how? I mean, wouldn't it be easier if he was just like, look, put your boat out in the deep water. I'm going to fill it up with so much fish that both boats are going to sink. I mean, wouldn't it be easier if God just said, hey, listen, I want you to uh, get out of the boat and I'm going to miraculously make you walk on water. It's going to be awesome. It'd be great if God explained exactly how he was going to help us do the things he wanted us to do. And so we don't understand why God doesn't explain how. But the truth is, is God has explained how. His answer is just one we don't really like. His answer is, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So do not fear, for I am with you. That's what God says in Isaiah 41.10. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's what God says in Philippians 4.19. God loves me. He became a man to die for us. He became poor so that I could become rich. He bore on himself on the cross the, the, the punishment for the sin of all mankind. For all of our rebellion and sin against God, the wages of sin is death. We deserve the death penalty. But God who loves us doesn't want to live without us. And so he took on himself the death. He died our death so we can live for him. And why am I saying this? Because that's the measure of his love. That's the proof of his commitment. That's the demonstration of his good will toward you. That's how far he'll go. How much more will he help you with pray buzz or whatever you're facing? But he will be with you. That person, that God who paid that price, he's with us every step of the way. And if we'll trust and obey him, he'll take care of us. Paul talked to his church that he started in Corinth about this. He had gone through some very difficult things. Paul was one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus, and he had a really difficult job. He was supposed to go all around the Mediterranean Ocean and start churches amongst people who had no idea who Jesus was. He got flogged. He got beaten. He got stoned. He spent a day and the night in the ocean without a boat. And as he went through all these very difficult things, he wrote something very interesting to the church at Corinth. Here's what he said. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Is that where you are right now? Do you feel like you're under pressure beyond your ability to endure? That's where Paul was. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. We thought we were going to die. That's how far beyond our ability God brought us. And why did he do that? But this happened, that this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God will bring you all the way up to your limit and ask you to take another step out. And it's where you step out that God provides. And you begin to learn how to rely on your father. Because what God is doing is he's not just saving us. He's transforming us into his children that are like him. And he wants us to trust him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. And that happens as we get up to the edge and go beyond, beyond our ability. And what about that uh, mission to the moon? What about that impossible dream that uh, Kennedy set in front of the, the people of NASA? Well, less than a decade later, after the people of NASA solved problem by problem, they dealt with this what and the next what and the next what. Less than a decade later, the world watched this scene. The surface appears to be uh, very, very 
fine grain as you get close to it. It's almost like a powder. Ground mass uh, is very fine. Ground mass, step off the laminate. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Oh, that looks beautiful. 1969. They did it. They didn't know how it was going to work, but they did it. And those are wise words. The Christian life is one of small steps of obedience. But every once in a while you come up to something that's going to require a giant leap, and God will make you able if you will focus on what he wants you to do and let him take care of the how. I'd like to ask the band to come up, and I'd like you to consider what are some steps you can take right now in trust and obedience to what the Lord has told you today. As we hear the hope that God's laying out for us, as we've, as we've all gone through the truth that, that I've been sharing today, uh, what God wants is for us to respond, to make a decision, to be very specific and to take steps of faith so that he can begin to work in our lives in amazing ways. So for some of you, the, the first step, I'd like you to take out your program or your connection card. You can find the next steps there, and you can follow along with me as I go through them. The first one is, is decide to follow the Lord Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. The Lord wants you to take what you know about him and to make a decision. And have you ever made a decision to follow Christ? Have you ever said, I'm ready to give my whole life to him? I'll do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, wherever he wants. I, I, as best as I can, I want to give my life to Christ. If that's where you are, we want to encourage you to write that down in the card and let us know so we can help you take your first steps into your Christian life. Number two is you could go back through the I will be with you verses that I put underneath the actual, the actual sentence on the program. Those are stories about God doing amazing things in the lives of people. The third step you could take is identify the butthole blizzard that's hitting you and ask someone to pray for you. And finally, over the last three weeks, we've looked at Things that freeze our faith and how to unfreeze our faith. We looked at the but first, the but what about, and the but how blizzards. And I want to encourage you to go back through and listen to them. And ask the Lord to show you one step you can take to unfreeze your faith. You can listen to them for free online. There's the website on your program. They're also out in the foyer. You can purchase them there. Or you can listen to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness to us, that in the middle of the blizzards, you come in and you rescue us, that you, you're not far away, but that you, you come near, that you're with us. And Lord, it's very difficult to keep our eyes focused on what it is you want us to do. We pray for your protection from the enemy. We pray protection against our fearful hearts. And we ask that this, this week, Lord, you would, you would speak to us through the Bible and show us very specifically what you want us to do as we trust you to take care of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.